Hello and welcome into another episode of Locked on Wolves. Today on the show, this is the post-game podcast from the Wolves Heat game on Saturday. A big home opener win, plus lots of Nas Reed talk. A fantastic game from the Wolves' third big. We'll also break down a bit of a, a quick preview of Wolves Hawks on Monday night. The Wolves are now 1-1. One one. There's lots to get to in the show here today. It's all coming on the show. Welcome in. You are Locked on Wolves. You are Locked on Timberwolves. Your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. Today's episode is brought to us by our friends at Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash NBA. Use the code all lowercase, Locked On NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Happy Monday, everybody. Hopefully you had a fantastic weekend. This is something of a post-game pod from Saturday's big win over the Heat home opener. We'll talk a little about Wolves Hawks on Monday night. We'll get to all that here in a second. First of all, a big thank you for making Locked On Wolves your first listen every single day. Of course, this show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms, wherever you like to listen to podcasts. You can find Locked On Wolves. You can also watch on the Locked On Sports Minnesota app on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV. And you can follow on X at B Beacon and also at Locked On T Wolves. Don't forget the T. All right, so Saturday... Wolves beat the Heat in the home opener. That's what we're going to talk about today. I did do a live postcast on Saturday with Tyler Metcalf from Canis Hoopus and uh, No Ceilings NBA. Um, normally, I won't be doing the live postcast afterwards. I was actually kind of filling in for the guys over at Lockdown Sports Minnesota. So normally, it's going to be just as a, a quick programming note. And also, like if you missed the live postcast, go check it out from Saturday. Uh, but Tyler and then Jack Borman, both from Canis Hoopus, are going to frequently be on the postcast. They'll be the regular guests, usually over at the Lockdown Sports Minnesota YouTube feed only. But if you missed it, you can also find it on the Lockdown Wolves audio feed from this last Saturday. So Tyler gave his thoughts on the game. I'm going to give you my thoughts here on today's show, and then we'll look ahead to Wolves-Hawks. So obviously, the Heat were shorthanded on Saturday. No Jimmy Butler due to rest. No Kevin Love. I think it was a shoulder is what, the, what Miami said. Josh Richardson has yet to play this year. Caleb Martin sat out his second straight game for the Heat. So this was a bit of a shorthanded Heat team. Um, Nikola Jovic played in his first game of the season for them. Tyler Hero was obviously a big focal point of their offense. Bam Adebayo started this game great for them. So it's still a good Heat team. The Wolves, I think, were favored by maybe 7.5 or 8 on FanDuel. So certainly a game that the Wolves should have won and obviously did end up covering that easily. But this thing was close early. This was actually a five-point Heat lead after the first quarter and only a two-point Wolves lead at halftime, and also only a seven-point Wolves lead going to the fourth quarter. They eventually pushed it up over 20 points and finished uh, winning by 16 by the end of the game. But this thing was pretty uh, early on. It was pretty back and forth. And now, now, I don't think the Wolves offense ever felt as, I don't know, stuck in first gear as it did on Wednesday against the Raptors. The ball never got as... Sticky, as Chris Finch and, and Mike Conley said after the game on Wednesday, the offense had more flow throughout. Now, the Heat last year used a ton of zone. They didn't use much of it in their first two games this year. And we know that was something that the Wolves really struggled with last season. And Kyle Anderson in particular was somebody the Wolves relied on to get them out of first gear against the zone defense as kind of somebody that would hang out in the middle of the hang out in the middle of the offense and middle of the defense, really, and facilitate from 
essentially the free throw line, right? Which is how you beat a zone, but the Wolves didn't have anybody on their team that seemed comfortable doing that. In this game, Miami started mixing in their zone, not immediately, but as the game, I think it was kind of like late first quarter, we started to see a little bit of zone and the Wolves actually handled it extremely well and never really got stuck in in the what the, the the trap of the isolation trap, right? That happened a ton against the Raptors in the season opener on Wednesday when it was primarily Ant, but it wasn't just Ant. It was also Shake Milton. It was also at times Cat on Wednesday where they just kind of on their own said, hey, I'm going to go to work and try and score. And both Cat and Ant attempted a billion shots on Wednesday and the offense was terrible and they shot 34% overall from the field and 20 whatever, 24% or something from outside the arc. That never really happened, even against a really good defensive team in Miami. And Miami's good, not just in the zone. And, and of course, no Jimmy Butler certainly hurts them defensively. Not having Kevin Love hurts them from a rebounding standpoint um, because for a second consecutive game, the Wolves actually rebounded the ball pretty well. But um, the Wolves handled the the Miami zone, the Miami defense overall very well. They, at first, they struggled with it. Like There was a little bit of sloppiness early on, but it never really felt as bad as the game did against Toronto on Wednesday. It just felt like they had a better handle on it. The ball moved pretty well early. Ant got really involved early. It was very quiet for the middle stages of the game. And then towards the end, kind of helped put the finishing touches on a lead that ended up getting north of 20 points towards the end of the uh, of the fourth quarter. There's just a lot more fluidity, ball movement to the offense. Um, and the Wolves did a really good job of getting both Rudy and Cap, but especially Rudy, the ball in advantageous spots. I mean, Rudy was seven of nine from the field had probably three or four lobs. I know he had at least one putback, I think two putbacks on offensive rebounds, um, but he caught at least three three lobs, if not four, for buckets. And the Wolves just did a really good job of taking what Miami's defense was allowing them to have. And Miami came into this game thinking like, hey, we're a smart, well-coached team. We could play the zone. The Wolves struggle against the zone. The Wolves couldn't get out of their own way against a mediocre Raptors team on Wednesday. We're, we went to the finals last year, even though we're a little bit shorthanded. We'll just play smart defense and make the Wolves shoot themselves in the foot. Make them beat us by taking what we give them. And that's exactly what happened. It was actually, I thought, a pretty mature all-around performance from Minnesota. You look at the box score, even if you didn't watch the game, and you could see this thing was well-rounded, right? Nas, we'll talk a lot about Nas Reed here in a minute. He had 25 points in this game. Ant had 19. The Wolves had four players that had 12 or 14 points. 12 off the bench from Kyle Anderson, 12 from Cat, and 14 apiece from Conley and Gobert. Well-rounded. And it felt that way throughout. Like when the team, when, when um, we saw this against the Raptors where the, um, I think it was Pirtle was guarding Gobert and he, he stepped up on Cat on a drive and Cat threw a lob to Rudy. A couple of possessions later, Pirtle stayed home and Cat didn't know what to do. And instead of, for whatever reason, like instead of just taking it to the basket, for whatever reason, he just tried to throw another lob to Rudy and it was a terrible pass. It wasn't reading the situation and reacting. It was predetermining what they were going to do in this game. The Wolves read what the Heat were doing defensively for the most part and reacted appropriately. So when the Heat were in a zone, the Wolves got somebody to the middle of the zone. Oftentimes it was Cat or it was Nas Reed and kind of picked apart Miami in that way. Um, when Cat had a smaller player on him, he was he was trying to score over. I mean, who was who was trying to guard him on the perimeter late in the game when he got those tough buckets? I think it was Kane was trying to guard him on the perimeter on a couple of possessions. Um, and he just, uh, yeah, it was Jamal Kane. And Towns just blew past him, had a dunk, had another nice bucket from the center of the paint. Um, And when Miami tried to put a small on Cat, he took advantage of it. When Miami was in a zone, they were picking it apart from the middle. When Ant had a matchup advantage, he was driving and he was kicking. Conley was hitting spot-up threes. It was just a 
it was really the exact opposite of what we saw in terms of the offense on Wednesday. It was mature. It was well-rounded. It was um, thoughtful is maybe not the right word, but like in the moment, that's what it felt like. Like the Wolves were reading and reacting appropriately. It showed a ton of growth. And obviously Wednesday to Saturday, it's not like all of a sudden these guys are you know going to be the number one offense in the league. But it shows how much of an anomaly I think Wednesday could have been. And and I guess right now we could say Saturday was the exception, right? Because all of last year, the Wolves ended up 23rd in offensive rating and things were clunky for the majority of the season last year. But this shows the the ability and, and, and the general, um, I don't want to say ceiling because I think the offense could be much better than even what we saw Saturday. But what this offense should look like, they've got so much talent that they should be able to come into a game and shoot 51% from the field and still have a you know a pretty average offensive or a pretty average shooting night from outside the arc, 35% on threes, uh, but win the rebounding battle, not foul too much defensively, not turn it over. We'll talk about all that. Get a you know big night from their bigs. We'll talk about that too. And emerge with a 16-point win against a solid team, albeit shorthanded, but a solid team nonetheless. And that should be the norm for this offense. Wednesday should be the exception to the rule, right? Um, Saturday should be the norm. And, and I'm encouraged from what we saw Saturday with uh, Ant, Conley, Cat, Rudy, all those guys, Nas obviously, took what the defense gave them. And I know that's cliche and it's something you hear a lot more from like football, right? Like that's a more of a football cliche. But that's what happened here. Miami allowed certain things to happen and the Wolves didn't, didn't overthink it, right? They didn't force the issue in the wrong way. All right, I want to talk more about the big rotation. I want to talk more, of course, about Nas Reed. We're going to do all that here next. Today's episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to us by our friends over at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform in North America. They are the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you can pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. On Sunday, if you had played... Um, something Vikings related, which I realize is touchy because the Kirk Cousins situation. But if you'd taken Jordan Addison over 50 yards and, I don't know, Lamar Jackson over one total touchdowns, you'd have been in great shape over at prize picks. Um, and you could also do cross sports. Like the Wolves didn't play Sunday, but Monday night, look at the Monday night football game. Take uh, Amon Ross St. Brown to score more than, you know, one touchdown and Carlton Towns to score more than 15 points. You'll be in good shape Monday night, I would imagine. So go check out Prize Picks. Also, now they offer Apple Pay for quick and easy deposits into your account this football season. With the Prize Picks reboot policy, your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. For NFL games and top 25 college football matchups, if you have a player that exits in the first half and does not return in the second due to injury, that player is rebooted. Prize Picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with injury insurance. Go check out prizepicks.com slash NBA code NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, prizepicks.com slash NBA code NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. A big thank you once again for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every single day. Of course, every dayers. Tuesday will also be a post-game pod. We'll talk all about Wolves-Hawks that's taking place Monday night later this week. We'll preview the upcoming matchups. And, uh, you know, continually peek ahead and see what this thing could look like. What was my prediction? I think it was 13 and seven through the first 20 games. Is that still feasible for the Wolves? Well, we're only two games in, so it's definitely still feasible. But I'll kind of update that as we go throughout the week. 
We'll also break down some of these more individual matchups and and, uh, individual player performances as we continue on through the schedule as well. All right, let's put a bow here on Wolves Heat. The other things I wanted to really focus on were, uh, well, I guess let's do Nas Reed next. Let's talk about Nas because this was just a fantastic all-around performance from Nas Reed. Of course, coming off the bench once again for Minnesota, he finished with a game-high 25 points, 10 of 14 shooting, 4 of 7 on three-point shots, and he made his only free-throw attempt in the game. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see that stat line there. And also, I pulled the only picture that USA Today had, USA Today images had of Nas for this game. And it is Nas looking incredulously, incredulously at the official after they called charging on him. This, of course, was the pivotal play in the third quarter, that, or actually early fourth quarter, I believe, that was overturned upon being challenged by Chris Finch. This was changed from a charging call to a blocking foul, and this was the and one that got Nas his only free throw attempt in the game. Again, 25 points on just 14 shots. He also had those eight boards, a couple of steals, and an assist in this game, and was a game high plus 30, which, of course, individual player single game plus minus is very noisy, and I don't like to cite it unless it is absurd. And this is absurd. Plus 30 in 28 minutes in a game that the Wolves ended up winning by 16 is a fantastic performance from Nas Reed. And he did it in every possible way. There were plenty of quotes from Heat players and, and also Eric Spolster after the game talking about how difficult of a cover he is because he can score at every level um, and is so good in the post. His post moves are are one of the bigger, better bigs in the league. And typically he's playing the four now, right? So he's often going to have a smaller player on him that he can dominate in the post. But if you try and guard him with someone bigger, he'll take you to the perimeter. He'll stretch you out. I mean, obviously, he's a career like, what, 34-ish three-point shooter, a three-point, 34-ish percent three-point shooter for his career. So in terms of volume, you don't necessarily want him shooting seven every night. But if he's hot like he was, especially early in the game against Miami, and you have to come out and guard him, he's going to blow right past you. It's a lot like Carl Anthony Towns. Obviously, the three ball is not as proficient for him in general as it is for Cat. But he's every bit as good at attacking off the dribble, has a little bit more athleticism to him, still has that length, and has every bit the post game as Cat does. So if he continues to shoot threes at a really impressive clip, even if it's just slightly above league average, teams are going to have a real problem on their hands with Nas Reed. They already do, really. Um, and I guess let's talk about the big man rotation now. Nas, Cat, and Rudy together in this game were phenomenal. You want to go ahead and combine their numbers? 51 points and 32 rebounds from your three bigs. That's 20 on, on 22 of 35 shooting. 51 and 32 on 22 of 35 shooting. Cat and Rudy each played 31 minutes in this game. Nas played 28. It was about as perfect of a big man rotation as you can ask for. Both Rudy and Cat had double doubles. Nas had 25 and 8, almost a double double of his own off the bench. Nobody was in real foul trouble. Um, Cat got hot at the end of the third, early fourth quarter. So Chris Finch left him on the floor for an extended period of time. Then Nas came in. Nas played really well in the fourth. Cat never saw the floor again. And that was just, and actually for a stretch there in the second half, Rudy was off the floor because Miami was playing his own and the Wolves could not find a way to uh, take advantage of that with Rudy on the floor. Cause you're, I mean, Rudy Gobert is not going to stand at the nail and, and distribute, right? Like he's pretty good on short rolls. At, you know, he had a couple nice passes first half really in this game. But you're not going to run your offense through Rudy Gobert because teams aren't worried about him scoring. I think he had one push shot he made from near the free throw. I was about 10, 12 feet away from the basket. But he's not the offensive threat at the nail that Nas or Cat or are, or the passing threat for that matter, or Kyle Anderson even. So Rudy almost got played off the floor by the zone, but Nas and Cat were so good against the zone that eventually when Heat mixed in a little bit more man, 
Rudy comes back on the floor, helps close the game with Nas Reed, and Cat watches the end of the game from the bench. Of course, the Wolves, maybe if the game got tighter towards the end, Cat would have saw the floor again. I would imagine he would have. But things were going just fine. And if Chris Fitch could say, you know, 31 minutes apiece for Rudy and Cat, 28 for Nas every night, that's perfect. That's perfect. Um, I'm going to be really interested to watch that minutes distribution. So much, so much of it will be matchup dependent and also, of course, dependent on foul trouble. But this is almost the perfect breakdown that you'd want to see if you're Chris Finch when you look back at the box score. So a solid three-headed monster performance there from the Wolves' bigs. And I was really, really encouraged to see that. Um, a couple other quick notes before we get to individual studs and duds. Kyle Anderson, solid game off the bench. He's not going to fall in either category, but he was really good. Twenty, excuse me, twelve and four off the bench. Jordan McLaughlin. This was pretty interesting. J Max saw some rotation minutes in the first half, mostly on the on the heels of a rough Shake Milton stint. And McLaughlin came into the game, ran the offense, had four assists, no turnovers in just six minutes. Knocked down a three pointer. Looked very comfortable. Looked a lot like. 12 months ago, Jordan McLaughlin. Last year, October, November, Jordan McLaughlin before the calf injury. Of course, post-calf injury, J-Mac was unplayable by the end of the season. But we know Chris Finch likes Jordan McLaughlin. He's something of a security blanket in general and um, can just inject energy and life into the Wolves. Everybody, the fans love him, the players love him. And he played really, really well in his six minutes. Be interesting to see what that looks like moving forward. And this is another one where Chris Finch likes to push the buttons and pull the levers depending on, um, and to his credit, like remember Tom Thibodeau hardly ever did this. Thinking back a couple of coaches, Saunders was somewhere in the middle on this, but if Finch doesn't like what he's seen from one of his rotation guys, he'll try the next guy. We saw that last year. Um, and in game two, it's a bit of an indictment on how bad Shake Milton's played over the first two games, certainly. And that's something we're going to keep an eye on and potentially talk about later this week if it continues. But it also underscores the trust that Chris Finch has in Jordan McLaughlin. There's a reason why he's still on this roster. It's because he's a security blanket. He's the only other true point guard on this team besides Mike Conley. Yes, the Wolves see Shake Milton as a point guard. He's not a true, pure point guard. He is a score-first combo guard that is a good initiator of the offense when he's playing well. He has not played well so far this season, so that's something else to keep an eye on. All right. Next, I want to get to individual studs and duds. We'll do a quick peek ahead at Wolves-Hawks on Monday night, as well as the upcoming schedule. We'll do all that here next. Today's episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to us by our friends at FanDuel. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150. If your team wins, you get a $5 Moneyline bet. That's all. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. This is a glorious kind of two-week span of sports where we're in the meat of football season, both college and NFL. The World Series for baseball tied up 1-1, Game 3, Monday night for Phoenix. That's a ton of fun. Of course, basketball season underway now, uh, less than a week underway. College basketball is right around the corner. Hockey has started. It's all happening right now. There's no better time to get in on FanDuel. I was on FanDuel all weekend. Um, I love, uh, I'm maybe not surprisingly, much better at betting NBA lines than I am NFL, Uh, but it's still a ton of fun. I can't stay away, especially Monday nights. I'll be on there for Monday night primetime, Monday night football. Um, World Series, not as good there, but of course, we talked all about Timberwolves win total, 44.5, betting the over on that. Um, But you can do anything over at FanDuel. The app is so easy to use. There's a huge range of betting options that includes spreads, player props, over-unders, the aforementioned win totals, and more. Go visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off your NFL season at FanDuel. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. 
All right, uh, let's close this thing out by talking quickly individual studs and duds from Wolves Heat. Won't spend a long time there. And then we'll look ahead at the schedule and we'll talk Wolves Hawks Monday night taking place in Atlanta. First, studs. Obviously, Nas Reed. We talked a lot about Nas. 25 points, 8 rebounds, 2 steals, an assist, 10 of 14 shooting, 4 of 7 outside the arc. By the way, that means he was 6 of 7 on 2-point attempts. It helps that he doesn't really shoot mid-range jumpers ever. Um, 1 of 1 at the free throw line, completing that big 3-point play. And as I mentioned earlier, a plus 30 in the plus-minus column. My second stud's going to go to Anthony Edwards. Haven't talked about him at all on the show yet, other than right off the top. He had a really quiet middle portion of the game, but the way he started and the way he finished... And also, the fact that he was quiet in the middle of the game was a good thing because he wasn't forcing the issue, which we saw a little bit too much against Toronto on Wednesday. 19.7 assists, 7 of 15 shooting, which is just a hair under 50%, 3 of 5 outside the arc. Only two free throw attempts and only two rebounds in this game. But 7 assists, seven assists excuse me, to two turnovers is an impressive ratio. He tied for second best on the team in plus minus with a plus 21. Yes, you'd like to see a couple more boards, a couple more free throw attempts, but three of five outside the arc, and what is that, four of ten inside the arc, ten two-point attempts. I mean, that's all. That's about the right division and uh, uh, in terms of shot distribution. So, I, like, I thought he played really well, and he was instrumental early in the game in getting the Wolves off to a decent enough start offensively after a real stinker in Toronto a couple nights prior, and then also closing the game when the Wolves were up, I, I'm ballparking this, but they were up 10-12-ish midway through the fourth, a quick flurry from Ant pushed that thing up to 20-plus points, got us into garbage time, and allowed Ant to get off the floor with only 33 minutes played on the night. So I thought this was actually a really strong all-around Anthony Edwards game. Mike Conley actually gets my third stud in this game. We could go Rudy, could go Cat. I'm going to go Mike Conley. 14 points on 6 of 10 shooting. He was only 2 of 6 outside the arc, which it didn't feel like that. Both of his made threes were catch and shoot from the right corner um, off driving kicks. And that's something... Mike Conley's so, so good at is relocating into the corner when somebody drives from the opposite slot and just catch and shoot over and over again. I've talked about this a ton on the show. It's like 44% catch and shoot the last three seasons. Um, that's what he's going to bring as a lower usage guard that can initiate offense. Five assists, zero turnovers for Mike Conley. 14-5, four rebounds, a steal, no turnovers, and a plus 21 for Mike Conley. A fantastic performance. I should mention, honorable mention, Rudy Gobert, 14 and 14. Talked about him earlier, seven of nine. I like This is another thing I'll probably break down later in the week. Rudy's playing so well early this season. He looks a million times better than he did 12 months ago at the start of last season. He does. He looks quicker. He looks just healthier. He looks more spry, if that's possible. I don't know. He just looks much, almost rejuvenated on both ends of the floor. Right place, right time offensively, impacting shots defensively. I know there's a goose egg in the block column in the box score. Trust me, he affected some shots um, very directly against Miami on on uh, Saturday. Duds for this game. I You know, if you glance at the box score, you might think Troy Brown, he had no points in 15 minutes. He played well. I'm not going to give him a dud. I'm only going to give a dud to Shake Milton. This was another disappointing Shake game. A couple of bad turnovers, I think both in the first half. 17 minutes, two points, two assists, two turnovers. One of four shooting, missed both of his three-point attempts, missed his only th- uh, free throw attempt, had a nice and one in the open floor, which was his only bucket. Just not a good game from Shake Milton. There's better days ahead. I'm not worried about Shake. We're two games in. Uh, just a bad start to the season. But Troy Brown, Tyler and I talked about this on the postcast Saturday. Tyler, excuse me, Troy Brown Jr., really good in this game. Um, the box score line doesn't do it justice. I thought he was active both ends of the floor, especially defensively and on the glass. 
50-50 balls, just provides that edge and that energy that the Wolves need. And Troy Brown did exactly that in this game. All right. Wolves-Hawks Monday night. Very quickly, the Hawks, as of me recording this on Sunday, are 0-2. They do play Sunday. So the Wolves have the advantage. They played against Miami in the second night of a back-to-back Saturday. They're going to be taking on Atlanta on the second night of a back-to-back on Monday. And Atlanta's traveling. They're in Milwaukee on Sunday. So I'm recording this before that game tips off. I don't know what that is going to look like. Hawks will either be 0-3, likely be 0-3 because they're at Milwaukee, or 1-2 when they take on the Wolves Monday night. But they will be on the second night of a back-to-back traveling. To this point, it's a relatively healthy team. They've been very disappointing through two games, especially offensively. Last year, they didn't shoot a whole lot of threes, which sounds weird because you have Trey Young on the team, but they just didn't shoot that many threes. They were what? Um, Let's see. I think I had this pulled up here. Uh, Yeah, they were 30th, dead last in three-point attempt rate last season, despite having Trey Young on the team. And, you know, he was shooting six threes a game. DeJounte Murray was shooting five threes a game. Nobody else was shooting a significant number. I guess Bogdanovich was when he was on the floor. Um, But in general, they just shot a ton of twos so far this season, kind of more of the same, which is weird. Painfully small sample, two games. But with Quinn Snyder as the coach, you'd expect that to improve. Right now, they're 28th again, through the first half week of the season and three-point attempt rate. They are getting to the line a bunch. Typically, it's just Trey Young um, getting to the line. I mean, his lines this year, like right now, he's averaging through two games, he's averaging 17 and a half field goal attempts, shooting 23%, by the way, but he's averaging 12 and a half free throw attempts per game. I didn't talk much about this earlier. The Wolves did a great job of avoiding foul trouble against Miami. I think Miami attempted, what, 14 free throws in that game? Yeah. The Wolves only attempted eight, but Atlanta only attempted 14 free throws. Nope. Miami only attempted 14 free throws. That's going to be key against Atlanta because of Trey Young, mostly just Trey Young, but also DeJounte Murray, DeAndre Hunter. Those guys are trying to get to the line for Atlanta. The Wolves, it'll be key for them to not allow a parade to the free throw line against Atlanta, especially second night of a back-to-back. I think the Hawks are just going to be really trying to force that issue, get to the line, get some easy buckets that or get some easy points that way. That's my biggest key is staying out of foul trouble. Don't get drawn into Trey Young's web um, from wherever he's trying to draw his web. He's only made eight shots this season, by the way, from the field in two games. He's eight of 35 shooting. He's just three of 14 from outside the arc. Um, so he's bound to go off at some point. Hopefully it's Sunday in Milwaukee and then maybe he's uh, he uses up his made shots in that 24-hour span and maybe he'll, he'll uh, not play well Monday. But the Wolves need to stay out of foul trouble. They need to make... Trey Young earn his points, not just get to the line. And I think they'll be okay. I don't think Atlanta is going to be quite as good as people think. Obviously, Quinn Snyder is a good coach. Um, they've got a pretty set rotation. Um, and, you know, it's their guys that were all on this team last year for the most part. So it's not going to be an easy game by any stretch of the imagination, but it's a matchup that actually I don't hate for the Wolves. And uh, they should be in decent shape Monday night. We'll talk all about it on Tuesday on the post-game pod. Peeking ahead to the rest of the week and the upcoming schedule. After the Hawks game Monday, the Wolves play again on Wednesday night. They're off on Halloween. They play Wednesday night back at home. Start of a five-game homestand. Actually, is that longer than five games? I only have it up through the next five games. I know it's a five-game, four-game homestand. Denver, Utah, Boston, and the Pelicans. So let's pick up this win against the Hawks Monday night. Come back home for Nuggets on Wednesday. Start of a, four, a tough four-game homestand. Nuggets, Jazz, Celtics, Pelicans. Three, At least three playoff teams among those four. And, uh, you know, depending on if you're picking the Jazz or Pelicans, I think, obviously, the Pelicans are more likely to make the playoffs than the Jazz. But really, and they're off to a good start this year, the Pelicans are. That's a tough stretch. 
On Tuesday, we'll do post game pod from the Hawks game Monday night. Wednesday, we'll preview Wolves Nuggets. We'll also take a step back and look at biggest takeaways from the first three games. Sitting here right now, it's probably how good Rudy's been. Disappointing play from Shake Bilton. That's probably where I'm going um, in terms of early season storylines. We'll see how things play out Monday night, and we'll talk about all that on Wednesday's show. A big thank you once again for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. Of course, this show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. Wherever you listen to podcasts, you can find Lockdown Wolves. You can also watch on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV. And you can follow on X at BBKin and also at Locked on T Wolves. Don't forget the T. Of course, the Lockdown Wolves podcast is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your local experts on all the biggest stories. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Lockdown Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.